0: Hey Oasis family, good to see you again, worshiping God online. I'm so thankful for our church who joins us online, but also want to say if you have not been able to get reconnected to community, God's doing something awesome in our in-person services or in our connect groups. And so make sure you go to oasisla.org forward slash groups to get involved in community. We really need to uh, partner with other people to get all that God has for us. And uh, we're in the middle of a series. We've been in this series for months and months and months. I don't even know how long at this point, but the series is called Family Values. And we need to understand what are the values of God? Uh, What are the principles of God specifically for the church? Because one of the things I've been thinking about recently is how if we're not careful, we try to replace God's principles with prayer meaning that God has attached a certain blessing, a certain favor or a certain uh, outcome or promise to a principle and we try to not do the principle and then pray for the outcome to happen. And so the Bible says it's better to give than receive. And so when we are not giving, but we're constantly praying for provision. We're trying to use prayer to get around a principle. And so this series on family values is really to hopefully help us understand the primary principles of what makes a church a church. God has pronounced So much favor, so much blessing on the church. And we need to understand how the church is supposed to function. What are our values so we can get all that God has for us. And so we've been going through these six family values we have as a church, which are we pray together, we serve together, we worship together, we grow together, we uh, give together, and we... I said serve. Worship? I said worship. I can't remember which one I said. We grow together, we serve together, we worship together, we pray together, we give together, we eat together. That's the one I didn't say. See, I had it, but I forgot what I said. So you better remember our family values and you better remember them more than I, I remember them. I just you know, couldn't remember which one I said. Um, But these things are primarily things we saw happen in the church. And the Bible says that when the church did these things, they enjoyed the favor of God and God was absolutely going crazy. It is my prayer that God would go crazy in your life in the best way possible, that there would be so much fruit, blessing and favor. But we have to understand how The church working together and doing what God wants is connected to the things we are believing for. And so we're gonna stay in this uh, concept, this value we grow together uh, this morning. And uh, the whole idea of this sermon I'm gonna share with you today, this part three, I think of we grow together, is I want you to leave with this concept in your head. The promises of God are intimately connected to the purpose of the church. I this is if 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 you don't write anything else down the promises of God are intimately connected to the purpose of the church. There's this beautiful verse that I think is should be some of anyone's favorite verse who's believing God for awesome things. Ephesians 3:20 says for God is able come on somebody God is able to do more than you can ask, imagine or think. Can you imagine we serve a God who can do more than you can ask, imagine, or think. So that suggests that you should be asking God for things. You should be using your imagination when it comes to ask God for something. Some of us just ask God for rent. I get that. I hope your rent gets paid, but the Bible would suggest that you and I should be using our imagination to ask God for things. God can do more than we can ask, imagine, or, or think. And it says this, according to the power that's at work in us. So if God's going to do more than you can ask, imagine, or think, there is an us attached to that. Not you, an us. Who is us in that verse? The us in that verse is the church because it continues to say, According to the power that's at work in us, now glory be to Christ in the church, which means that there are communities that God is speaking promises over. And when God speaks a promise of provision over a community, sometimes the enemy has no, cannot attack the provision, so he attacks the community and puts a believer in isolation because he knows a promise is coming to the community. So if you are not in community and you are doing something by yourself and you just have your personal relationship with God and you're around no other believers, you are cutting yourself off from many of the promises of God. Matter of fact, most promises that God spoke to, he spoke to a people of group. When he spoke to the promised land, he was talking to millions of people. And one person that was off affected everybody else, which is why uh, for the Israelites to get in the promised land, they had to wait for the unbelieving generation to die off. God forbid that we are all waiting for God to move until someone in this church that don't believe goes somewhere else. That would be biblical. And so I don't want that to happen to you. I for sure don't want it to happen to me. So we're gonna preach the word of God. Write this down. The promises of God are intimately connected to the purpose of the church. If you know the promise of God and you don't know your purpose in community, then the promises of God will be delayed. It's so important you understand that, that once we receive the revelation of what God is going to bring into our lives, we also need to seek the revelation of how God has called us to participate in church community. And this is much bigger than than holding a sign outside or in the parking lot. And and, and if you've been overworked by church and you're an intern who had a full-time job and had to serve 30 hours and no one asked you how you are in your soul, I just want to apologize to you. That is not Christ's heart. That is not the purpose in the church. I'm not talking about the parking lot. I'm not talking about where you serve. Thank God we have people who serve in our kids' ministry and serve and lead connect groups. If you lead a connect group or you serve, I'm so grateful for you Um, But I'm talking about one specific purpose for the church that every believer needs to participate in. Um, And don't feel guilty if you give, but you don't have time to hold the sign in the parking lot, but. I'm gonna share with you something today that every single believer must participate in if we're gonna take hold of every promise of God. So if you have your Bible, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. And it says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. I could stop here for a second because obviously the apostles would almost be the leadership and the multiplication leadership style of the church. They know how to equip and empower and release leaders. They're the they're, they're ones that God sends into a situation to, to fix it with structure and leadership development. Um, that's why Paul was so much more focused on how Timothy was doing in ministry than Paul's personal ministry opportunities. I always know someone's not an apostle when they're concerned on how God is using them, not others. Um, because Paul was concerned with how God was using other people. Um, the, the prophets, which are people who um, you know uh, have divine revelation from scripture or a divine perspective and wisdom that's coming straight from God, uh, the, the, or even a prophetic uh, picture of the future. The evangelists, obviously, are the people who um, really have the gospel burning in their heart that Christ came, he lived, he died And he was resurrected so that we could repent and be forgiven. These people are amazing. We need them in the church. And then the pastors who care for the flock and and care for the souls of the people and journey with them as they grow. And then, of course, the teachers who are able to unpack doctrine and the word of God in a powerful way. Uh, But one of the things I want to understand is that want us to understand is that the verse says, now these are the gifts that God gave to the church, not these are the gifts that God gave to people. So one of the biggest issues in the church is that people with these gifts are concerned with using them, not understanding that they are the gift. It's not about your gift is to equip other people to do something, because it goes on to say, their responsibility is, is not to use their gift. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So I've had many staff members over the years that have a hard time being in a role where they don't feel like they're using their gifts, even if everyone around them is growing. It's, it's just a sign that they're not a father, a mother in the spirit, because here you go. Like, like I, when I watch my son play basketball, I have no concern how many points I score, even if I can play. I'm just trying to coach him and make sure he plays his best game possible. Matter of fact, any great parent would love for their kids to do more than what they do. If they could do nothing at all so their kids could do everything, that would be the goal. And so this is what we're called to do as a church if you're a true gift. Now, in other passages of scripture like 1 Corinthians 12, it does talk about people having a gift. So so the mother and father, the, the elders of the church, graduate from having a gift to being one. I am a gift to my neighbor. I am a gift to the church. I am a gift to everyone around me. And my responsibility is to be a gift, not use one. And so this is what God said. I I gave them to the church. And it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build the church. So one of the things that I have in my heart for the future of Oasis is right now, you might come here and today, and obviously I've only been the pastor for just under three years, but today pretty much the staff do the bulk of the ministry and the people um, coming here get ministered to. And so over the next three years, if we're gonna follow this verse, we have to have less staff and more people in the church equipped. So, it cannot be just a staff member leading group, a staff member preaching. This is why, you know, things like, you know, Aaron Simpson preached a great message, who's not on staff. Roger Neal will be preaching in the next couple of weeks, and he's not on staff because I'm trying to break down this wall between staff and the church. Um, It's not what it's supposed to be. So, in this next couple of years, be prepared and be thinking about how God could use you to build someone else's faith. Um, in the church. Hebrews 6 would say uh, that when you are following Jesus for a long time, and I'm paraphrasing, it says, by now you should be teaching others. And so I think it's important that, that everyone who is called to be a part of a church graduates to the point where they're not sitting under teaching every Sunday, but someone's sitting under their teaching and their encouragement, and someone's faith is being inspired and built up because of you. So if you are here for the very first time, make it a vision in your heart that one day God would use you to build up someone else's faith. And the Bible says that it's our responsibility if we are on staff to equip you to do that. And so um, that's what we're trying to do when we say, hey, come uh, learn to lead a group or, or come to a men's that we're trying to equip you to do that all uh, to do all that God has called you to do. Yeah. And it says this will continue. What's the whole point of it until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will mature in, in the Lord. So maturity is unity and knowledge of the son. Where people are fighting and divided, there's no maturity. So maturity is unity and knowledge of the Lord so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And I love this part. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The body is talking about individual people. He fits us together perfectly. He makes uh, imperfect people fit together perfectly. He knows where to put you in his community to bear the most fruit for his kingdom. And it says this, as each part attends every Sunday. No, no, no. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We cannot grow together if Pastor Julian is the main one talking about growth. It is only when God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as you do what God has called you to do in this community, remember, The promises of God are intimately connected to the purpose of the church. So as you ask God, what is my role? What is my responsibility? What is my special work? For some of you, it's giving. For some of you, it's serving. For some of you, it's wisdom. For some of you, it's leadership. For some of you, it's prayer. Whatever your own special part, as you do it, the Bible says it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. A church that is not full of love is not a church that is growing together. And so I want you to understand this about the church because I used to think the purpose of the church was to reach the lost. The purpose of the church is not to reach the lost. Can I just say that? The purpose of the church is not to reach the lost. We are not here to reach a city. We are not here to change a city. That is not the purpose. It it is part of the result of purpose. The purpose of the church is not to reach the lost. It is to mature the found, and everyone who is a mature child of God shares their faith. Everyone. So I don't need you to bring people to church. I need you to share your faith. Paul, or Peter, shared his faith with a limping man outside of the church in Acts chapter 3, and the Bible says that because he shared a move of God with that man, Outside of the church the man came into the temple leaping and praising God. So 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 the future yes invite someone to the church. I want you to invite someone to church, but the future of the church is they come in praising because you invited them to Christ in your living room, at your job, in the break room, in the parking lot. That is a mature. So it's not the purpose of this institution to reach the loss. It is the purpose to mature you so that when you're out in your community on set, you just have these words of encouragement for people and people are so enamored about the difference of you and and the presence of God that is with you and the love of God that's expressed to them that they want to know the God you serve. The purpose of the church is not to reach the lost. It is to mature the found. And everyone who is a mature child of God shares their faith. Your faith is not personal. For God so loved the world. When you personalize your faith and you don't take it a responsibility to share different aspects of your faith it lends itself to immaturity. Immature children don't share. They keep their favorite things. So Jesus might be the favorite thing in your life and immaturity doesn't share. Young kids don't share their favorite toy. They don't share their favorite food. They don't share their favorite snack. You can get any kid to share his broccoli. You can. <laughs> Sharing this candy, their candy is a whole different vibe. So, so, so if you're mature, you share what's most valuable to you. And Jesus must be shared um, in order to be mature. And if you're immature, you share the wrong way. Fine, here you go, or with a bad attitude. But 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 we are here to mature people, and every mature person shares their their faith. And so. Um, the purpose of the church is to mature believers. And, and when it says we grow together, there's a lot of things, beautiful things that happen. People are getting saved, people are getting baptized. So I'm not saying these things don't matter, but but I've only seen these things happen in a healthy way when believers are being matured. And that's the purpose of the church. The, the church is, is, is almost, it's not supposed to be exclusive. Everyone can be included. But the way you're included has to be via faith and repentance. So everyone can come. It's like going to the beach. And everyone can go to the beach. But you still have to park in those parking spaces and pay that $14 at Santa Monica. I do it every Sunday. There's, no, there's, there's a requirement. So you don't... Sometimes if, if, if I go to the beach and I have to pay $12, how silly is it for me to say, I'm not welcome here. No, everybody's welcome. Everyone can park here. There's just a cost to park here. And so they're not going to remove the cost to make me feel like they're wel- I am welcome, there's just a cost to be here. And the cost to be in the community is repentance and faith. And so that's all it really is. And so immaturity tries to take all these things out and, and we end up having churches who are not mature. Now watch this, if we have a church that is not mature, we have a church that's not growing. And if we have a church that's not growing, we have a church that's not walking in the promises of God because many promises of God are translated to inheritance. And nearly every kid that has an inheritance has to mature before they get it. Everyone. You ever heard of a five-year-old getting inheritance? I heard of a five-year-old having one, but I've never heard of a five-year-old getting one. Because a five-year-old would waste their inheritance. So usually there's stipulations in an inheritance where Shaq said this, no degrees, you ain't touching my cheese. That's what he said about his own kids. If their kids don't go to college, they don't get his money. So he put stipulations that show maturity. God does the exact same thing. I want to encourage you when you come to Christ, my friend, you are a trust fund baby. There are th- the, the, the day you come to Jesus, you are a trust fund baby. The Bible says we are born again. That's Christianity. We put your faith in Jesus, you are born again. I know you're 40-something in this in reality, but you ain't nothing but a baby in the spirit. And immediately, God sets up an inheritance for you that you get the fullness of when you go to heaven. But what happens? Our responsibility is to make things on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're doing that, some of that inheritance as in heaven is getting released here. Not all of it. But some of it, and I want to be a church where things that are in heaven, like provision and grace and glory and truth, are being released in our life because we are willing to mature as believers. And I believe that our culture today is spiritually immature. And I want us to grow to a place of maturity. And in order to do that, we got to address the primary ways I believe culture teaches us to be immature. And and I'm going to show four primary ways that I have seen, but obviously this isn't a comprehensive list, but this is something that I've noticed as a pastor. And I say these things with complete grace. Just know that I love you and you're in in one of these uh, categories. That's okay. My job is to be a gift to you and mature you in these areas. And the thing number one that I've seen is the biggest immaturity is there is no God. There is no God. That everything that happens in my life is on me. I gotta buy the crystal, I was driving to get a coffee this morning, and there was this intuition shop that shows candles, that sells candles, crystals, and beads, and you just got you all in the bathtub, crystals floating all around you, trying to get something good happen to you. And and that's immature, right? It's almost as if like, we would, like, it's immature. It's, It's, I don't wanna rely on God. I only feel comfortable if it's something that I can do. And there is no God. God is not real. Um, and it's so interesting how even there's these these uh, atheist like communities that dedicate their life to telling people there is no God. If there is no God, then why do we dedicate our lives to telling people that? Dang. Like makes no sense. Like if if there, if it isn't real, then just say it's not real and move on. Yeah. But it must be real if you have so much you pay so much attention to telling people it's not. Yeah. Like if something's not real, it, I personally not sure about aliens, but I don't think aliens, I don't think there's alien life forms. Can you imagine me developing a whole lifelong mission to let everybody know there's no aliens? You know, ET is not a thing. I'm like, I don't like, no, like men in black, that's not real. No, it's it's all good, just move on. But it's an immaturity where I want deep down, it's 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 evangelism in reverse. In order for me to feel comfortable, I need someone to believe what I believe. And so since I believe there's no God, I need you to believe there's no God. That's evangelism in reverse. It's the opposite. And that person who wants to tell the whole world there is no God, I promise you, if they would seek the Lord, God would use them to tell the whole world there is because they have the need to share. I believe it's an evangelist that has lost their way. Number two, there is no absolute truth it's whatever think it is you are whoever you say you are we sing worship songs we are who he says we are but 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 the there is no absolute truth you are who you say you are there is no 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 marriage there's no truth i mean stay with your wife or not be a mom or not be a dad or not be a man or not be a girl or not go like serve people or not give or not be selfish or not there's no truth it's just whatever you want to do do you Do you, boo-boo? They even have like taglines and doing you is the issue with actually walking in the promises of God. And so for me, there's got to be a truth. I don't think you should live your truth. I think you should live the truth. And the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone is believing for an awesome life for God if you are watching this, right? And that scripture would suggest from John chapter 10 that the way to get to the life you've been praying for is to go the way God wants you to to go and to live the truth that God wants you to live. And so when we sacrifice the truth, we we burn the bridge between the way and the life. Some of us can be headed the right way, and then the enemy will make us not obey truth, and we have burned the bridge between the life that we're believing for and the way that we are headed. Because the bridge between the direction you're headed and the life you deeply desire to live, what builds the bridge is truth. And so, There is no God is one sign of immaturity. There's no absolute truth. Just whatever you think is whatever it is. Number three is the church is unnecessary. And I believe the enemy has used the abuse of spiritual leaders to really um, exacerbate and inflame this concept that the church is unnecessary and everyone's like deconstructing, which I believe the dangerous version of deconstructing is to question the Bible in the light of our opinions instead of in questioning our opinions in the light of the scriptures. So that deconstruction is great. You should be deconstructing your opinions, not the word. You should not be using the word of God like a menu. It's not, I'll take Jesus, hold the tithe, hold the community. This is not no mayonnaise. Like the word of God is the word of God. And is not a restaurant where you can order what you want. The word of God is not a menu. It's not cheesecake factory. You can't just say, I want this, but not that. I want the whole counsel of God, the Bible calls in Acts chapter 20, the full counsel of God. So the church is unnecessary. And number four, which is a really dangerous one, specifically in LA, is that the world has more to offer us than Jesus. Mm -hmm. That it is my career, that it is my goal setting. It is my personal desires for success that are greater to me than Christ. And so this, if these four primary, uh, and you might be saying, well, you didn't mention this, you didn't mention this. Well, everything that I could mention probably comes out of these four things, that there is no God, there is no absolute truth, the church is unnecessary, and the world has more to offer me than Jesus. And so if these are the four uh, vehicles where immaturity can make its way into our thinking and our beliefs, then what is maturity? What is maturity? Colossians 1:28 says this, it is Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. One Bible scholar said that it was Paul's greatest goal to mature the believers, so that they could take hold of God, everything God has for them. And one of the ways we can reach the loss is the lost watching believers walk in the purpose, the inheritance, and the beautiful favor of God. They'll want the favor and the things that we have gotten from God, our peace, self-control, our goodness and our kindness. And if people see us have those things, they'll want the God that gave us those things. And so this is why this is so important. And he says in this, in in him we proclaim warning everyone. So what is maturity? Part of maturity is, is willing to be warned. And that word warning in the Greek is this, to put positive pressure on someone's conscience to help them choose what is God's best positive pressure. Here's the difference between positive pressure and negative pressure. Um, When I was, you know, uh, doing things that were outside of God's will, negative pressure was, you know those things are bad, you know those things, positive pressure is, someone told me you're called to be a leader and God God wants to deal with those things so you can take hold of all that God has for you. It is the outcome. Uh, God would say, if you, then I will. And many times in religious culture, we, we just say the if you, and we don't tell people what God's going to do if we walk in that discipline or we walk in that thing. And so warning someone is to put a positive pressure. So if you feel called to actually uh, uh, correct people, I want you to practice doing it in the most positive way possible. There's a difference between telling someone, man, why are you always late? That's not positive. That's not positive. One of the ways my boss would do something like that is he would go, "Um, Is it hard for you to be on time? It's the same thing. Yeah, actually, it is. Why? Well, I don't know. I just can never get out of the house. What do you think God would do if you honored people's time? Do you see them saying? It's not, oh, they're always late. What do you think God would do? Can you, God, seems like God has done a lot in your life. You don't even honor, you're not even on time for stuff and God's still doing stuff. What would God do if you honored his time? And it leaves someone thinking about their what's in their conscience. Because at the end of the day, the, 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 Paul said, the purpose of my instruction is that you would have sound uh, 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 a sound mind Uh, a a heart-filled love and a a clear conscience. So they might already feel guilty. So the first thing you want to do is clear their conscience of guilt for being late. And then you want to speak to them and warn them. You want to put positive pressure on their conscience to help them choose what is God's best, not what you think is best for them. So you have to be walking in discernment and prophecy for you to even know what's best according to God's word, not according to them being late made you feel. You got to lean into what God would do if they corrected that. And so You're helping them be mature. And it says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So what is maturity? Uh, You help someone be mature by putting positive pressure on their conscience. If they don't have the Holy Spirit, their conscience is out of whack. When you don't have the Holy Spirit, your conscience makes you think what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. So we're only talking about maturing believers. We're not trying to mature culture. This is why it's the stupidest thing in the world to shout the truth to culture. It's stupid. They don't have a renewed spirit, and a clear conscience. So before someone can hear the truth, their conscience has to be cleared by the blood of Jesus. And man, I'm just, let me skip that because you just start getting me all wound up. (laughs) But it's the dumbest thing in the world. I wish you could zoom in on my face. It's the dumbest thing in the world to share the truth of God's word with non-believers. That's why Jesus spoke in parables and they still didn't get that. And And if Jesus was with disciples for three years and all of them were still confused. Do you really think your stories for three months are gonna change a life? It's not. We, we mature, focus on your, your community. And so maturity is the fullness of Christ-like character. So if maturity is the fullness of Christ-like character and growing together is what we're called to do as a church, then growing is staying on the path to spiritual maturity. Growing is staying on the path for spiritual maturity. So how do we have spiritual maturity? We know what immaturity is. We know what maturity is. How do we have spiritual maturity? And one of those things is a beautiful phrase that's maybe overused and misunderstood, and it's called walking with the Lord. Being in God's presence and walking with him. So oftentimes when we say we're going to be with God, you notice it's always a pause or a stop. I'm going to be with the Lord. Sometimes I think being with the Lord is... Messing up the church a little bit because it creates this thing that in order to be with God, you need to be stationary. And if you are going to accomplish anything in your life, you will not come on, moms, dads, people, a bunch of kids running around screaming. Like you don't get as much of that personal time. Remember when you just, Anna knows, remember when you just wake up in the morning, have your Bible time, highlighter out, coffee, take a picture of it. Them days are over. Your kid, your kid, get up screaming. So now, how do I have, people always ask me this, how do I have time to spend with God? How? My time with God in my maturity can no longer be exclusively stationary. I have to walk with God now. So God has to talk to me as we're doing something. How do you go be with God? I'm with God all the time. I do take stationary, quiet time is great, but I don't have three hours. I can't wake up at seven and then finish Ephesians by 10 and then just go, no, I I have stuff to do. So part of my being with God is spending time with God stationary, but walking with the Lord. Ephesians 4, 17 says this. Now I say and testify on the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their minds. Other scriptures would say, walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So if we are maturing, we can be with God while we're doing something. So, 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 And I have found this in church cultures where the people who are really hype on the presence of God and really hype on the word of God and really hype on the spirit of God, you cannot get these people to do anything. And the people who are doing something haven't spent time with God in a long time. So maturity is combining both of those worlds and I can crush my job. And the spirit talks to me as I answer the email. Don't be that person who can't answer an email because you're with God and you're with God so you can't answer the email and you're answering the email so you're not with God. Maturity is yes, being with God alone, but it is also walking with the Lord. And that word walk in the Greek means to make progress or to make use of opportunities. So you are, yes, you're you're you're, you're being in God's presence, but you're also making use of the opportunities that God is giving you. And by the way, if, 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 if you feel called to ministry, you better be. You better learn to walk with God and talk with him as you're doing something, or you better work for someone like that, because at the end of the day, you want to be around people who are making progress in their relationship with God, but also making the best use of the opportunities. Israel called their laws of conduct halakha, which meant walking. So they called a, a character movement. So if you really have a high character, it should make you do something that other people can't do. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So anything God is gonna do that's good creates movement. So maturity means I can be with God on the go. God told Abraham, Go, and God would be with him. Maturity is stop, so I can be with... Uh, immaturity is stop to be with God. Maturity is go, and God will be with you. And it is still the presence of the Lord. Maturity, spiritual maturity is walking with the Lord. One of the things that I think is also spiritually spiritually mature, this I've seen in our cultural context, is faith for things uh, takes a backseat to faith in God. That is Maturity. Everybody's believing for something. What are you believing for? No, who are you believing in? Because the Bible says, if God did not spare his only son, won't he freely with him, give you all things. You do not have to believe for something to happen in your life. Uh, Matthew six thirty three says, seek first the kingdom and all these things you're believing for will be added to you. You do not have to believe for anything. Can I free you up from believing that God's going to bless your acting, that God's going to bless your business? Can I free you up from believing that God's going to bless your future? No, no, no. If we're walking with God, God wants to bless us. So all I have to do is keep walking with the Lord. All I have to do is keep believing in him and God will bless me. It is the fruit of my relationship. That's all it is. I don't believe God? What are you believing for God to do in the church? No, God is going to do something in the church because we're walking together. It, it, it is this maturity to, I believe God. So then that way, if I don't get something I want and I still believe God, God goes, I got to give that guy that because he didn't even get it. And he still believes me. Some of us, our faith is challenged because of what God is not giving us. And it's not faith. That's positive thinking. Faith for things needs to take a back seat to faith in God. Romans 14, verse 23 says, talks about these types of actions. They're only talking about how people eat and share in meals. But it says this, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Every single thing you do that has no faith, the Bible calls sin. You be coming to work every day without faith and God's like, that's sin. Because why are you doing that? You're doing it for you. There's got to be this thing where God has called me to be here. God has called me to be a part of this, and I believe God. Another thing that I believe will, will take us to this place of maturity, and why is it so important? Again, because the promises you are believing for is based on the purpose of the church, and the purpose of the church is mature, and God wants to give amazing things to mature people. You can actually harm a kid by giving them a car at 12. You bless a kid when you give them a car at 16. You see the difference? Yeah. You're a bad dad just four years early. What if God says, I don't wanna be a bad dad by giving it to you in, in 2022 because you're immature, but if you grow up, I'll give you the thing. What God would be a bad dad if he gave it to you this year. What if you made sure that God was a good dad by giving it to you next year because your focus is on maturity? Mm-hmm. The truth we proclaim if we're gonna be mature, the truth we proclaim is solely based on the word of God. And the word of God can be twisted. Do you know the Bible says there are no male or female, Jew or Gentile for those who are in Christ Jesus? That our relationship with Jesus transcends our gender, our race, and who we think we are? Speaking to the highest identity is being a child of God. And it transcends gender, it transcends race. And what is the counterfeit version of that? That you can't have a relationship with Jesus and then none of those things matter. We can just be completely genderless without Jesus. No, 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 that's not true. Because what replaces all of that is not making something up. What replaces all of that is being a child of God. So if you are not a child of God, you cannot be free. It's not possible. And so there's some of these things that sound like the truth because they feel familiar to our spiritual DNA. And we don't even know that that's in the Bible, but it's in there. But that idea that we've transcended beyond who we identify with because we belong to God so th- th- then it doesn't matter and we don't have to seek equality we can seek exaltation because God is always trying to exalt the humble he's never trying to make things equal he's trying to humble the people who have pride and exalt the people who have humility and then the people who have humility become the leaders of people who have pride and the people with humble humility bless the prideful people it's crazy what God does so God's always trying to bring you up if you have humility not make it even up not even up so the church, is headed upwards to heavenly places. And the only way we do that is if we have a truth that we talk about is based solely on the word of God. First Timothy 4:16 says, "Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching." Wow, keep a close watch on what you're being taught. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. I really believe another thing that is important for spiritual maturity to get ready for all that God has for us to grow together is the church is necessary and essential to my growth and the promises of God over my life. The church is necessary and essential to my growth and the promises of God over my life. And this may be triggering for someone, and I just wanna make it clear, I'm not talking about Sunday services. Sunday services does not make a church a church. How we work together, grow together, love together, Our values is what makes us a church. You could attend Sunday services, all of us, and we don't do any of those values. We don't worship, we don't pray, we don't give, we don't eat, we don't serve, we don't grow, we don't do any of those things, we're not a church. So the family values is what makes us a church. So if God promises a bunch of beautiful things to a church, I think it's my job to make sure we're a church. And you listening to me preach online and not doing any of those things does not make us a church. So when I'm saying something about the promises of God to the church, you should be saying, instead of I receive that, you should be checking to make sure that what we're really doing is church. Because if what we're really doing is church, those promises are guaranteed, guaranteed. The last thing that I will share is that if we're gonna be mature, our souls have to be more important than our dreams and desires. Our soul is our mind. So much mental health issues out there because people are pursuing things that are not going to bring them joy and they're not pursuing Christ. Our will, our ability to make decisions. That's what our soul is. Our mind, our thinking, our will, our ability to make decisions, and our emotions where most of uh, the enemy's attacks live in my life. And Mark 8.36 says, what good is it to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Notice all the things I'm sharing are reverse of the things that makes us immature. This is what makes us mature. And watch what 1 Peter 2.11 says, "'Dear friends, I warn you, As temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. If you are feeling spiritual warfare in your life and having demonic dreams, you might be engaging in something that's waging war against your mind, your will, and your emotions. And this says many of those things are worldly desires that have replaced God. The things we want in this life have replaced God. This is so important, y'all. The other thing I will say about blessings and this and our soul is, is is 3 John chapter 2 starts with, verse 2 starts with, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Isn't that weird? In good health? Just as your soul prospers? He says, I want your soul to prosper, I want your body to prosper, and I want everything else to prosper. We're three parts, your soul your body. And so I, I, I want to challenge someone out there. In this, and this is something God challenged me. And I'll end with this. The discipline to take care of your body and your soul is the same discipline you will need to take care of your blessings and fulfill dreams. If you do not have the things that God has called you to have, build discipline in your life to take care of your body and your soul. Like literally your mental health. Get people around you that encourage and, and, and give you wisdom about your decisions. Don't just vent angry things to people in your emotions and not want to hear the truth of God's word and call it a safe place. No, man. We need to be built up in our soul to where the things of God can actually, your emotions are great, but if you're led by them, they can cause a lot of damage. You know, you don't have to be freaking like uh, super freaking fit or whatever, but you can like do something. Because the same discipline you need, what if God's like looking at how you take care of your body and said, if I gave you that, you you couldn't handle it. What if the blessing would kill you in 10 years? Because you can't handle it. So you have to prepare for it. And some of these simple things of discipline is the same thing that you would need. Remember, disciples, who are what we're trying to do, the root word is discipline. So we need discipline in order to have the blessings of God. Otherwise, the enemy can use our lack of discipline to steal and kill and destroy the things that God has given us. If we do this as a church, we're really growing together. And growing together is not so that I can be satisfied with where you're at spiritually. Growing together is so that God can be pleased and release some of those things in your life that he's been waiting on you to mature, to release. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that somebody would just pray right now, God. I know you've been watching online for a while, but are you fulfilling your purpose in the church Ask God how you can serve. Ask God how you can get in community. Maybe today is the day where you want to start your journey of giving for the very first time. It is participation in in, in the body of Christ that releases so much favor and blessing. So just choose a way you want to participate. And I believe as people move from spectators to participators, God is going to do something so special. And so God, I pray, uh, my prayer really is, is that this wouldn't just be a series or a sermon. But we really grow together as a church, a healthy body full of love. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love y'all so much. Um, If you're around uh, next week, come check us out in person. Or if you can, I really believe that God wants you to get involved back in community. It's not too late to pop in. We have two more weeks of group. Pop into one. Meet some friends. Get connected. Get involved. Um, We love you so much and can't wait to see you soon.